0: Fasten your seatbelts, because we ain't like no podcast you've ever heard before. We're the rootinest, tootinest, and darkest podcast in America. Well, <laughs> near darkest at least. And me? Well, I'm musty, I'm dusty, I'm crusty, and I'm about ready to bust. E. <laughs> Matisse Van Rossum. Mm. Howdy. I'm Ben Sheets, and
1: can you hear that? If you listen real quiet in the middle of the night, you can hear a tangerine dream. I'm listening.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, hello. I'm Cleveland Mosier, and this is no country for very, 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 very old men.
0: <laughs> Welcome back, dear listener. We're so happy that you're here, and we're so happy to be here, because we're talking about another really good movie. Um, This week was my pick, but I really sort of... Did my pick for Cleveland. Thank you. Uh, because Cleveland has, on multiple episodes of the podcast in the last couple of months, gone off on incredibly long tangents <laughs> about how he wishes that <laughs> there, there was more Western horror. It's true. And uh, so I said, well, Cleveland, if you've been hankering for Western horror, then it's time to show you probably the best Western horror film ever made. Um, and that, of course, is catherine bigelow's directorial debut near dark uh which has an incredible ensemble cast of adrian pazdar jenny wright lance hendrickson bill paxton jeanette goldstein tim thomerson and joshua john miller and uh well cleveland did this satisfy your craving for western horror
2: my dude thank you so much for picking this movie i really appreciate it did it Oh man, it did. We're hot off of watching it and I'm just
0: Yeah, we just finished like oh, minutes ago.
2: And it's like it's like I just I finished a really big, wonderful, tasty meal. I'm so satiated. Yeah, no, I think this one's about about good enough to shut me up for a minute. My thirst has been satisfied. I feel quenched. I feel whole. Uh I'm I'm so happy this movie exists. I'm I'm so glad it was made in the 80s. I'm so I'm so fucking glad if any time I get the hankering for Western horror again, I can just watch this movie again. Yeah, this movie exists and it's really good. It, it's it's
0: it, it was exists and it's and it's existed for a long time. And it's a banger.
2: Like I I, I was not I was not expecting it to be great. I was expecting it to be a good movie that happened to be exactly what I wanted, and that was going to be enough. But it was fucking awesome. Like yeah. it's it's a really well shot. I think it's well written. Fantastic film, uh, powerful
0: directorial debut yeah. from Catherine Bigelow. Frankly, I uh, <laughs> I kind of think she peaked with this one. Um, but uh, I don't reckon know, I've seen any
2: of other films she did. Zero Dark Thirty, The Hurt, Hurt Locker, Locker uh,
0: uh, which was good. Point Break. Uh, Point Break is is the other fantastic. Yeah, one that she's done. Zero Dark um, Thirty
1: and Hurt Locker are kind of. Propaganda films, yeah, I, I especially
0: especially Zero Dark Thirty, uh, yes. It's just straight up Jesus. CIA propaganda. Yeah. Mm. I've heard uh, I've
1: heard great things about Hurt Locker.
0: Hurt Locker is okay, pretty so it's definitely a as, as a movie, it's pretty good. Mm. Um, I don't think I
1: could take jeremy renner seriously anymore no 2021 post jeremy renner app
0: yeah i don't (laughs) 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 yeah i don't think so either uh Uh, but anywho um at least the hawkeye the hawkeye um coming soon to disney
2: plus Man, um, coming soon to not not my
1: house. If only that was a Jeremy Renner app exclusive.
0: I'm kind of surprised Catherine Bigelow hasn't been tapped to direct a Marvel film yet. It seems like kind of an obvious choice, doesn't it?
1: I mean she's already
0: doing c i a
1: propaganda, so no change there exactly that's what i'm saying
0: <laughs> um, but anyway, regardless of uh, of where her direction has taken her, uh we'll always have near dark, which is a fantastic little vampire western um <sighs> slash noir slash noir yeah, a lot of lot of noir vibes um it's a it's a very dark movie um i mean tonally appropriate, and also for a movie called Near Dark. Um, I don't know if noir is what I would go with. It, it's it's just, it's 80s as fuck. Like, I, mean, I mean, there the- were noir films made in the 80s. I know,
2: I know, but it it feels like, yeah, I guess, I guess so.
0: Stylistically, it's very noir. Maybe not in terms of, like, your typical noir detective flick, but mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the visual style, it's, it's definitely noir. Styl- so many... Yeah. So many of the sets are so are so like drenched in shadow with like really hot bright lights silhouetting people coming through the blinds like it's would a, you use noir
2: a... to describe Terminator? <sighs> no, because because no. Th- the things I see that I would consider noir in this movie lighting wise I see in Terminator as well.
0: It's been a long time since I've seen the original Terminator.. Yeah. like
2: the way that things are like bathed in shadow, the blue lights, the neon, like it's it's well, all. I, I definitely know, see influence right?
1: of the original Terminator in this. Uh, you know, I think James Cameron's influence is definitely visible here. Mm-hmm. Um, especially yeah. in terms of tone and pacing.
0: This movie uh, is—he passed off like half his cast from Aliens uh, to Catherine Bigelow for this movie. Basically, yeah, uh, yeah, Jeanette Goldstein, uh, Bill Paxton, Lance Henriksen, all in this movie. Which is cool
2: because Ben eyeballed uh, Aliens on the marquee, uh, on the marquee, yeah, yeah,
0: in one of the scenes. Yeah, I mean it's it's right about the same time. This came out, I think, a year after Aliens. Uh, Aliens came out in '86. This came out in '87. So, um, I mean, when they were shooting this, yeah, aliens would have probably still been in theaters or, or nearabouts. Um, so that was a, a fun little, uh, a fun little nod. Of course, uh Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron were briefly married after this film. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, there's there's definitely uh James Cameron influences on this thing and for sure.
2: James Cameron 80s James Cameron explosions.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like
2: like and that's another reason too. And and again too, like they're they're vampires, like What's the line from Terminator, you know, like they can't be stopped. They just keep coming. It's all very Terminator-y, mm-hmm. except they're wearing like cowboy clothes. It rules, man. This movie fucking slaps. As an elevator pitch, it's perfect, too. What if um you encountered a an outlaw group of vampires? Mm. Vampire outlaws, really, in two words, is all you need. And it, it makes sense, you know, being out on the run, You know, not being able to to come out in daylight. Like, uh, the the vampire lifestyle already kind of matches that of being an outlaw anyway.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, the West is really, like, such a perfect setting for a vampire flick. Like, I'm I'm kind of surprised that it wasn't really done before this. Mm -hmm. Or at least, uh, if it was, I, I... don't have any notable examples, but, like, yeah, you know, vast stretches between towns, lots of people drifting, you know, all over the place, uh, you know, easy to uh, sort of blend into the countryside. Like, it's it's really the, the perfect hunting ground for a group of vampires. Um, as a premise, it's great. Um, and I have to say, like,
1: Near Dark has the coolest vampires of any movie in my opinion i can agree it fully yeah Yeah. um you know i think it's kind of a cliche hot vampires or whatever but this is the most effortlessly that's been done i feel like
2: i wholeheartedly agree and i love vampires I love vampire stuff. I'm a sucker
0: for like that whole goth aesthetic. These vampires are like a different kind they're, of high. They're
2: cool.
0: They're like, they're, you like know, cru- they're like crusty. Yeah. <laughs> like they're <laughs> they're
2: punk, you know, but like proper punk.
0: Outlaw punk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the, the lost boys came out the same year as this, which is, uh, interesting that, that both films happened to, uh, release at just about the same time. I actually haven't seen The Lost Boys, but no, lie, but that's
2: dark. one that comes up a lot when you're frantically Google searching horror westerns.
0: Yeah, well I mean it's a <laughs> I think it's I've another done more it's, than once it's another one about like kind of a, a gang of outlaw like uh vampires Yeah, it's nowhere more...
1: near as good as near dark How as someone who's seen it. Um I feel like vampire movies come in kind of waves. Mm. We get a bunch at a time and then just they fizzle Nothing. out yeah, for a while. They
0: get sick of, uh, yeah.
1: So that totally makes sense that they came out in the same year.
0: Well, I I like in this movie too that like the word vampire is never said once. They are vampires, it isn't, it isn't. but then they never say vampire ever. They only say that that he's been bit or I turned him or something. You know, but the, the word, the word vampire is not in the film's lexicon at all. And
2: almost doesn't need to be right. No, yeah, no, no,
0: it doesn't. I mean, you know, you know what it, it is. is. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what it is. The sun, like, the sun burns them. They need blood to stay mm-hmm. alive. Like they're immortal. Otherwise, the, you know what vampires are. You don't need to say vampires.
2: Yeah. It's, it's almost like this is a wretched comparison. Uh, but.
0: <laughs> oh God, you're but, really good at making comparisons to the things
2: that I hate. No, no, no. But it's it's like it's like in. Uh, no, I'm not going to make that comparison. Never. mind. I was going to say.
0: I swear to God, if you make uh, a Star Wars or. Uh, no, it wasn't going to be comic that book comparison.
2: No, 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 no. no. It was going to be something totally. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> Oh man,
1: what a bail! I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, something not publicly, but it's pretty funny. I <laughs> was like shooting a basketball and just <laughs> whiffing it.
0: We're gonna cut that.
1: <laughs> nope. I'm gonna listen to someone be mad.
0: <laughs> um, but also, what I what I think is interesting in this movie too is that like they are vampires, but they don't have a lot of like the vampire hallmark. They don't have fangs. Um, they drink a lot of blood. Well, they do
2: sometimes. There is, the, there is the one shot of, uh, what's the, who's the really lively one who's always chewing the scenery? Uh, who Bill, Bill Paxton. Paxton. Bill Paxton. Uh, that's a young Bill Paxton?
0: Yeah.
2: Holy yeah. shit, I didn't realize. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess so.
0: Damn. Um, who else can chew scenery like Bill Paxton? Yeah,
2: holy shit. Um, a lot younger in that scene. Yeah, sorry that I'm used to seeing him. Yeah, with Bill Paxton, the first shot we see of him when our protagonist is waking up he's got fangs no he doesn't are you sure yeah i think he just has long insides yeah i think
0: i think it's just i think it's just his his normal canine it's all you need it
2: looks vampiric
0: yeah none of them like none of them have fangs and uh and once again just like the word vampire not needing to be said like they don't need to have fangs and they don't have like spooky eyes or like they're not like super pale or anything. They just look like regular crusty ass fucking people. I mean,
2: it's I think it's one of the best like quote like realism depictions of vampires I've seen. You know, yeah. like just stripping it down to its core. You know, there's no holy water, there's no garlic or any bullshit like that. They don't fucking sparkle. Not nothing. It's just well, they drink blood we'll and they live forever and sunlight bath, and that's it.
0: We see at one point that um, Lance Henriksen's character has a revolver that has, like, a crucifix, a cross, like, on the 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 handle, on the hilt. So um,
2: Crosses definitely don't do anything. Yeah,
0: no, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, but once again, it's like, you know they're vampires, but also they're kind of scary because they don't show any of the other hallmarks mm-hmm. of vampires. In a lot of vampire movies, it's like, why are you getting near that creepy person who's very obviously a vampire, like, you dumb idiot? And this one's like, they just look like normal people.
2: Mm. Now, I'm not sure when the graphic novels came out, but the show, Preacher, definitely has some... uh, is definitely paying some homage with... I think Uh, those
0: graphic novels started in the late – in, like, the very late 90s, like mm, 98, 99. Yeah, so
2: even that would have been probably largely inspired because Cassidy's character on Preacher, the way that he hides the sunlight, the way, like, he kind of smokes – you know, out in daylight, like it all looks very similar. Like I think there's a lot of a uh, lot of inspiration.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and Pulled going in into this movie, you know what you're getting, right? You know, it's a vampire movie, yeah. and so the discovery is not you discovering it's a vampire movie. It's watching the main character kind of discover what's going on. And one of the scenes I love is him trying to go back home the day after. You yeah. know, he's been turned. And it's that night, and he's trying to eat a snack and just vomiting it up. And, you know, a cop pulls him aside and kind of pities him enough to give him a few dollars to send him home. Yep. And it, ultimately, he just can't because, you know, he knows he's something's wrong. Yeah.
0: yeah, He's too sick. Well, I love, too, like, right after he gets turned, when he is, like sort of stumbling across the field like towards his house and you just see like him steaming like as the sun is coming up and you know at that point like he he was just bit like 15 minutes before so like it's kicking in already and i love I love that scene, too, because, like, you see him sort of stumbling across the field from the distance, like, you see his dad and his sister, like, watching him, and you see the fucking Winnebago coming from down the road, just, like, tearing down the highway, and then they just swing around, and you see somebody lean out the door, like, covered in blankets, and just grab him and pull him into the Winnebago, and then he's just gone. Like, I love that shit. It's so fucking cool. (laughs) I also love the idea of just like vampires traveling around the country in a Winnebago. Although they ditch the they ditch the Winnebago pretty quick in this movie. I, I like that
2: about it because they ditch the Winnebago and they yeah, we they see them light flipping the flipping cars
0: a couple of times. Mm-hmm, mm.
2: But they light the they light the Winnebago and like some things happen and they go to the bar and we're, we'll touch on the bar more in a bit. But uh, when they leave that place, like they just take one of the people's cars from the bar and. They're out driving and like putting tape up on the windows, like as the sun is coming
1: up. Spray like, painting, not,
0: yeah, spray painting the windows. Yeah, back. yeah. Like, well, it's uh, clear like, that they've
1: been doing this so much that it's just yeah. routine for them, well, I'm almost mundane. But, but also, like to play it like so close. You know, like so haphazard too. just like, what
2: if you run out of tape? Are you just going to like pull over in a blanket? You know what I mean? For like 12 hours, like especially when like the, the crime scene is like right behind them. It's so reckless. It's so like haphazard. And I adore that because one of the glamorous aspects of Outlaws is that they're so close to death. You know, and it's a they're cool, living on the edge, always. yeah, they're living on the yeah. w- the edge, and that these vampires are doing the same thing. they joke about playing Russian roulette, you know, like they've been alive so long that they have so little value for life and not not just other lives but their own. It works so well for for outlaw characters you know that are immortal. there's only like one thing that can kill them, and like they can pretty easily like just take their time a little bit more, be a little bit more cautious about it and like be fed and in cover well before the sun comes up but no that's not their style like that's not their their way of life you know like it's it's reckless and it it, it's so cool like that they're immortal characters and how little they value their immortality
0: I mean, when you've been alive for hundreds of years, you gotta do something to keep the adrenaline going, right? Yeah, you, yeah. Gotta, you gotta live on the edge. You gotta be close to death to be able to feel something.
2: Exactly. Um, and like even more so for them than yeah. like your your average outlaw character that already has that mentality too. It's the kind of genre crossover that I would pretty quickly just like sort into the pulp. You know, it's like okay, mm-hmm. like cowboy vampires you know, robot cowboys, cowboys and aliens, exact, you know, yeah. like, kind of thing.
0: I think it's... You saved, don't expect
2: it to be well done.
0: I think it's saved from being pulpy because, like, it's not set in, like, the Old West, which, like, those those kinds of pulpy movies are, are fun. Like, I'm not saying that, that that would be a bad thing, but... Like, this film is set in present day for when it was released, like, the late 80s. So, like, it's a Western, but it's not like cowboys in the traditional sense of cowboys, you know? That keeps it a little bit more grounded, keeps it from being, like, too pulpy. Um, But
1: I love how they play into tropes of Westerns, nonetheless. Yeah, totally! You know, they take the contemporary setting and then kind of lean in in certain areas you know early in the movie we're introduced to may and he brings her out to the horse stable and the horse is immediately scared of her because it can sense that
0: she's that she's a predator yeah
1: later on we get some scenes with horses that are used very intelligently knowing that information from before the bar scene is another great example of like horror tropes taken uh and recontextualized in a really interesting way
0: then there's there's the shootout later at the bungalow there's almost a, a sort of duel um between uh caleb and and jesse towards the end too but like yeah it's it's all it's like playing off all these typical tropes of westerns and then kind of subverting them with like a horror twist uh and also like making them feel more more modern um like uh, obviously the duel at the end doesn't really happen caleb just like runs off uh, because he doesn't have a gun and he knows that he's outmatched so uh well
2: yeah all we needed was just the shot
0: right exactly you know, i
2: just i all we needed was to see it you know like the stand yeah, standoff in, like in that. the middle of the
0: road and uh, Lance Henriksen's got his fucking uh, cowboy duster on. He's got his his six shooter. Caleb's wearing the cowboy hat and he's got the the one spur that Bill Paxton gave him earlier. So, and it's cool because
2: the film still ends in a type of standoff.
0: Yeah, totally. Like,
2: mm-hmm. uh, very much so. And we can touch on that in a bit. But yeah, yeah it, we it, don't need to get it's, there quite. Yet. It's cool that it it still gives you that mm-hmm. just in a different form. And so you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Because, yeah, if, if the movie had ended there, it would have been dumb and gross. It's defi-
0: like, it's definitely a Western, just not – it's not like a spaghetti Western. Mm. Um, it's it's a little bit removed from that that sense of camp that in, you know, Italian films in Giallo that we've been talking about the last couple of episodes, this is a lot more grounded. Yeah. But still really fun. Fucking Bill Paxton is the best. R.I.P. to a, a true fucking legend.
1: Yeah, he totally steals the show in this yeah, film. Absolutely,
0: like, every scene that he's in. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I love the the little. Uh, it, it's treated as like a throwaway line, but when they're burning the Winnebago bill paxton says to to lance Henriksen, hey jesse you remember that fire that we started in chicago <laughs> <laughs> and they've been around so long that they fucking started the chicago fire that burned the whole city to the yeah. ground I,
2: see, I always i always enjoy like vampire narratives where the characters have like one-off liners mm-hmm. like that it's 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 a treat it's, well, it's just a, a fun way of like world building
0: there's another great one where uh uh caleb asks uh lance hendrickson like how old are you really? He's like, well, let's just put it this way. I fought for the South. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we, we lost. lost. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: that was really fun. Yeah, kind of a like, spoiler alert. <laughs> like, we fucking lost
1: some funny shit, man. Can I just say, I love Lance Hendrickson's uh, rat tail in this film.
0: Yeah, bro. Just He's the great. little
1: braided rat tail. Yeah, you only catch back. it once or twice. Lance <laughs>
0: Hendrickson is. Uh, gotta be for me like top five character actors oh yeah like, he's he's
1: incredible he's
0: been in so many fucking movies and not all of them are good a lot of them are bad but like every time lance hendrickson shows up i just love him
1: yeah mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i so, love there with rutger hauer is oh, one of yeah. the yeah, og kind uh, of
0: yeah great let's
2: just like yeah you're, you're off to a great start with those like that fucking badass cheek scar like yeah she's got yeah. so fucking badass
0: speaking of Rutger Hauer this movie gives me a lot of hitcher vibes as well mm-hmm. they're from you know from the same era and similar settings mm-hmm. um
2: scores as well
0: oh yeah well i mean we should uh absolutely mention that tangerine dream does the score for this movie which i had forgotten about this is my first time seeing this movie in like Dude. five years probably when
2: when um, that like i i'm so glad to they 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 make it a point to credit it at the beginning mm-hmm. too where i like, mean you always yeah. do with tangerine dream you
0: have to you
2: have to and i was just dancing in my seat because it was already like i already knew i was in for like horror western and then it's like wait tangerine dream is doing the score because like i fucking love tangerine <laughs> dream and like oh man what a gift what a little gift it does it does a great job of capturing what i was talking about like two podcast episodes ago too like it's got the the 80s synthy and since tangerine dream almost more ethereal stuff but you get those riffs and those lines um also on electric guitar but uh still very very western you know, dun, 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 you know, kind of rhythms, and it's perfect. Uh, the electric guitar, I think, was a really good choice. Like, um, I think, like, acoustic would have been really fun, and I think you still get a little bit of that, hard to remember, but the electric guitar does a much better job of saying, like, rainy nights, which this movie has a lot of, or at least at least that much rain but there's a lot of wet streets with with the neon lights and yeah it, just, it a, works so there's well there's a
0: lot of scenes where there's like thunder and lightning but actual, but no rain um i was actually reading earlier today that apparently they were there was like uh i think this was shot in arizona um checks out and there was actually like a really bad drought like during the entire production mm. of of this movie i think production was something like 40 days and uh, it didn't rain at all during the entire production.
1: Wow. I wonder if they weren't allowed to use like a rain machine in that case just because water conservation
0: yeah i wonder oh i mean it almost makes you wonder how they got away with as many explosions as are in the, the dude honestly the with a drought like that movie. Yeah. yeah i mean i guess none of those explosions take place anywhere near like flammable foliage or anything but, but still but with still, that kind of a drought yeah like if something had caught fire like you need to conserve water, you know, to to try to put it out. Because um. that
2: semi-explosion is
0: outrageous. Like, oh, it's, it's it's massive. Yeah, again, it's, like James Cameron, awesome. <laughs> like
2: 80s James Cameron-esque yeah. well, it's, is fucking fantastic. because,
0: like, the, the, the movie has such a, g- a great payoff in the third act because, like, the first couple of acts are, are relatively slow. Not boring, hmm. but, like, you know, even though, like, Caleb gets bit within, like, the first 10 minutes of the movie, and, like, we're introduced to all our, our characters, you know, within the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie, there's a long period of time of, like, Caleb sort of coming to terms with his transformation and, like, fighting it and not wanting to kill, but still having the hots for for May, um, you know, and there's there's a lot of kind of, like, sort of listless wandering in, like, the first half of the movie, But it pays off. Yeah,
1: well, there's a lot of setups and payoffs in this film. And I think you often see it with more confident, experienced directors, which is why it's all the more impressive that this is a debut feature. Mm -hmm. um, Because you get so many things set up in the first 45 minutes or so. And to see them all get paid off pretty well. Yeah. You know, there's no unnecessary scenes in this movie. It's really tightly paced for the most part. Absolutely. Um, From the Winnebago scene when Caleb's family sees him getting stripped away and that, Mm. you know, setting off the the drive of the film Mm. uh, to the horse being set up to... The the big rig scene where, you know, Caleb is first My favorite example. being pushed to kill someone for the first time.
2: Yeah, yeah, so I was mentioning that during the film. Before I dig into that, usual spiel. I don't I don't think like anything we've said so far, like what the movie is or whatever, is like uh, would would really hinder viewing of the film, but uh, I would I would definitely I would highly recommend this movie. You know, spoilers ahead, I guess.
0: Yeah, we've been kind of all over for. the place. We've talked about things that happen at the end. Um, you know, yeah, we've touched when, on, once but. once again. It's a it's a thirty something thirty five year old movie. Um, I don't I don't
1: yourself. think there's a drastic twist in this movie no, no. that's to be spoiled, so I don't think you have to worry about it too much. No, but no. regardless, if you want to go into it blind it's a strong recommendation from yeah, the three of a good us time sure. too.
2: but also like yeah not the kind of film that I would I would feel particularly spoiled
0: no and, i mean i think somebody could but, tell you the the whole story in a nutshell mm-hmm. and you would still have a great and you still get a lot out of watching it cuz it, it's not it's not about like the the narrative twist it's just the execution of a of a good story but
2: i will say in that respect one of the big points of legitimate tension for me was figuring out whether or not the protagonist was going to stay a protagonist. I was pretty earnestly on the edge of my seat throughout most of the film, waiting to see...
0: Do you think they were going to kill him off?
2: No, I never... Thought... No, no, no. He was the protagonist. I didn't think they were able going to kill him off, but whether or not he was going to, like, take a life, whether he was going mm. to, like like take that step into to evil, you know, into becoming a vampire and committing and not knowing whether he does or not dramatically changes like the, the expectation. And mm-hmm. for me, like I was very earnestly tense. It, it was cool. I was very torn because like part of me wanted to see him be good because that kind of rarely happens in vampire films and the like, like our protagonist usually like succumbs to the, the blood sucking part yeah. fairly early on it, at the very least they find an alternative. So which he
0: kind of does. He may let him drink from her at the
2: beginning. Yeah. And, and so a, like, cu- a
0: couple of times and but, I, but... and I
2: didn't know if like how long they were going to keep holding that out for. Yeah. Yeah. I really did it for me in that respect. Like not, not knowing I was pretty, pretty anxious. About that in a good way. oh, and the other side of that is I'm also watching a horror movie and I want to see some kills. I want to see that vampire action. yeah, so for sure. I'm nervous for our character like you know like i I, I want to see like maybe he won't take the plunge, maybe he'll be like a good cowboy. but on the other hand also, I want that violence. I'm watching a horror movie. Like I'm, I'm, I'm excited, you know, for the the kill. That's why we're watching a vampire film. It was really good tension in that respect because yeah. like, either way, I think the payoff would have been fun. But
0: well, I love that. It's that, very
2: gratifying for me.
0: I love that they kind of like pull their punches until the bar scene. Like there are some kills before that, but. They either happen off camera or we see like one of the one of the vampires like go in for somebody's neck and then it cuts. It doesn't like get really gory or anything. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty restrained until they they get to the point where Lance Hendrickson is like either Caleb kills tonight or we're gonna kill him. Like we have to see if he's one of us or not and they go to the bar and then there's that scene is so prolonged and it's so violent too. And at that point, they don't pull any punches. There's no more death off camera or flinching away from it. And it's like that I think makes the the impact of that scene so much more effective because we've at we as the viewer knowing that this is like a horror movie like a vampire movie have kind of been deprived of that up till then because that bar scene happens like fully halfway through the movie.
1: yeah it feels like if, a turning point mm-hmm. of the film because the film kind of really kicks into gear at that point. Ramps and up in
0: a big way from that point Doesn't
1: on. really let up for the rest of the film, I would say.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um. Yeah, and I think it's so well done because what I love is we've had the time to introduce all the characters and get kind of their unique quirks with mm-hmm. each of them. And then you see this happen and you see all of that put into action, essentially. Yeah. You know, you see... Uh, Bill Paxton. Bill
0: Paxton just really shines Chew in scene. the scenery. That's, that's like that is his scene.
1: One
2: of my favorite shots in the film is the shot of his boots walking along the bar, like crushing all the drinks,
0: kicking like, the, the, the beer kicking and kicking the glass.
2: Yeah, because yeah, like he just like steps on like the shot glasses and like cracks them under his feet as the bartender is like while he's is, walking, like, and he's it makes like, him look like so powerful. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. as the bartender in the same shot is like backing away and like fumbling to reload his shotgun it's really it's so beautifully
2: framed because like the yeah like the the bartender is in like the left third like walking backwards like trying to load a shotgun like you said and then like bill paxton's legs are in like the top right Mm -hmm. like walking along the bar and then like the bar is along like the bottom third at an angle so we're like tracking back and down and like as he's like Cracking each of the cups as they like come into to view, and he steps on them. Like it's such a beautiful shot, uh, and this movie is mm. to the gills with with uh, little cinematic like gems like that
0: the shot is like of is on his feet and his boots, which he then uses to kill the bartender. When he reaches the end of the bar, he slashes up his neck and his face with his spurs. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very cool lead up. I mean, I love the beginning of that scene when they first come in and like sit down at the bar and he's like, uh, Bill Paxton's like trying to instigate a fight with the dude at the bar. Like he purposely knocks over, his shot glass and he's like oh all right i like you i'll give him another one now you gotta pay for that and then he like takes it and drinks <laughs> yeah. it and, and then, then spits, spits, it spits it in yeah. his face yeah. yeah
2: and it's such like a um fun uh recovery when like he what does he do like he, he dips his chin like in in the beer
0: in the in the beer to win the guy back that.
2: over because he's just like Oh, sorry. Well, uh, did
0: I ever tell you the one about Buffalo Bill? Bill, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He dips his chin in the beer and gets like the suds all in his chin. Like, like he has like, like his a sud it. beard. Like yeah. he's an old
2: prospector. So he like he makes an old joke. He's like, "I like you, bartender." Get him another beer, and then he sips it and he's like, and he's paying for it. Yeah, and then it's like the music drops again. It's so good. Like yeah, like the way like it. Uh, it's a little roller coaster of emotions there. It's so much fun. A lesser movie would would have stopped. Like already the the Buffalo Bill bit is such a good way to end a dialogue like exchange it's so funny i love that uh, yeah and he has him punched the protagonist and it's very fight club
0: yeah, yeah bill paxton uses caleb as like a shield to like when the guy's <laughs> trying to fight him like he's moving him around and like having him punch him trying to he's, get
2: a rise out of him because he's
0: trying to get caleb so angry that he'll finally kill somebody which you know once again, he doesn't. Like, the, the scene ends with the last guy, like, diving out the window, and they're like, he's yours, go get him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he chases him for a little while and catches him, but he still won't, uh, he's still unwilling to pull the trigger and, and, and kill. I and- love how that pays
1: off, though, in the next scene.
0: Well, yeah, because he lets the, he lets the dude go, so that's how the cop, so the dude obviously goes to the cops, so they find them and that instigates the the shootout at the uh, at the bungalow, which is another fucking awesome scene like that that's fucking straight out of a western
1: yeah, absolutely and you know I love Stand-off. the bar scene so much, yeah. but the shootout scene is probably my favorite sequence in the film because it's so well shot. I love how you know you have the fully draped out room that's just getting shot up and you see beams of light going through From the and holes, you know yeah. contextualizing these beams of light as dangers in themselves you know
0: yeah they, they burn the the vampires where they touch them that's that's one of the things that i think this movie does so well too especially a lot of more recent vampire movies basically since the the advent of CG I never feel like vampires like burning up in the sun is like painful you know what i mean so often it's it's done like they just they just sort of like evaporate or disintegrate or whatever like it's so quick. But this movie like it really feels like the sun hurts.
1: Well, whoever like, did their makeup did a great job of yeah. like really emphasizing the charred, dry skin. Yeah, and uh, you know that is really elevated by just the general heat. Of the location. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a sweltering southern rural area, and that just kind of pushes the heat even further.
0: Yeah, it's the desert. Like I said earlier, like it's a good hunting ground for vampires, but also at the same time, not a lot of shade in the daytime. No, you no, know?
1: You
2: know, and uh, I'm sure the cast all felt like vampires as well. Like <laughs> there was that kind of a drought, you know, in the Arizona heat.
0: Well, and also most of the shoots were at night too, so I'm sure they got pretty nocturnal during the, mm-hmm. the production of the film. But like, yeah, man, like those the the beams of sunlight coming from the bullet holes and stuff, like it really does feel dangerous. Because, like, we see how badly, you know, the sunlight burns these characters, and, like, it feels painful. Like you mentioned, like, the charring on their skin, like, they look, it looks, like, wet and raw. And, you know, Caleb kind of briefly wins them over by going for the for the van like he jumps out the window wrapped in a blanket and basically sets himself on fire to get to the van so he can crash it through the bungalow so they can all hop in and get out which is a fucking great scene true cowboy shit true (laughs) truly yeah Yeah, and it's
1: so strikingly shot the image of caleb running to the the van with a cloak that's just on fire just sticks with me. Man,
0: the the effect is so good, too, because, like, he's still burning, like, as he gets into the car. Like, you can see, like, through the windshield of the van that, like, he's still on fire. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's, like, it... Once again, like it looks it looks so fucking painful. It just makes me think of like Blade Two, which <laughs> is a very different movie and I love it for different reasons. But you know, like the vampires and that, like, they they just kinda like explode, you know? But and then uh, It's like the a CG
2: end- like skeleton explosion, yeah. Yeah,
0: well and then and then too at the end of Blade of Blade Two where uh the the love interest is like bitten or whatever,'s mortally wounded, and she asked Blade to like take her out so she can see the sun the sun one more time like as she dies and she just kind of like beautifully disintegrates yeah. you know it's very poetic and sweet and whatever it's like not this movie not this movie yeah. that shit fucking hurts like they they, <laughs> they get all crispy and shit then, then they, they, all, they, they do blow do up they do blow up though like that's the
2: thing though like uh, they blow up and uh, it they rules they do blow up, uh, yeah. but, but here it particularly rules because it's practical yeah not in a realism sense but uh in a uh like in, in a film sense like it's 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 done practically with a with a real, real explosive explosion. yeah. yeah you know whereas in blade like I mean there' are way more kills in blade to be fair yeah. uh but in you know in blade it's it's CG um that has not aged uh well it hasn't aged well and that it looks bad but it it's also, I think, aged well because it's hilarious to look at. But no, the, this film like far, far better uh, yeah. in that sense. Yeah, they just, they just detonate, <laughs> um, and it's cool too because like when, when they really get into the heat after they've been smoking for a little bit, they,
0: they catch, they fire. ignite, yeah,
2: and it, it feels like they're smoldering, and so when they finally boom, like they go, they, it looks like you know, they go off. It works, like uh, it, it does, kind of feel like like a long fuse. Um, Super cool. And uh it's not overdone because it's only at the they really at the very end of the movie you learn that they explode. It's like the last scene.
0: Pretty much. Yeah, so, yeah and, and it's where scenes, yeah. it,
2: it's where in the movie I'm I'm very happy with a person exploding. If, yeah, if they had been, just kind of done it, been it like weird. early on, it, it would have yeah. been
0: weird if it had if it had happened earlier, but like at that point in the movie, like it's really ramped up, like we've gotten into like full action movie territory. It's climax. So it's yeah. Like, like yeah okay it's time for people to just explode why not yeah you know? fuck it.
2: we're here now <laughs> yeah exactly um, you know but before that it, it it does such a good job of pulling its punches and not getting like so heavy into like vampire fantasy but you gotta have them blow up at the end you know that's yeah that's you gotta crazy. end your movie with a bang hell yeah literally yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. um now that we're well in the spoilers this is another thing i'd mentioned i remember on the forever purge episode and that is more good cowboys wanted i wanted just a good cowboy character i like that in movies now again i'm uh, fairly progressive in the rest of it but but still god damn it i like a good cowboy and like it's modern movies often like have a need and it's one I, I also agree with like like to depict cowboys as shitty racist whatevers and it's like you can have a cowboy you can you can do it you know like it's okay to have like a good cowboy character who you know is just a rancher those people do exist And it it is really cool to to get that in this character, who's just a good old fashioned cowboy character um, who who cares in the right ways and um, doesn't want to take life.
0: He doesn't want to take life. He he is. He is pretty rapey at the beginning, I must say, Uh, when he first encounters May, when she's begging him to take her home because she knows the sun's coming up. He doesn't know what's going on yet. You know, he fucking stops the car in the middle of the road and takes the keys out and, like, puts them down his shirt. And he's like, you know, maybe I will take you home, but you gotta kiss me first. And that's when she bites him.
2: Now he has that common.
0: Yeah, and he yeah. has he has that coming. He has that
2: coming for sure. He has sure. that coming. He's, he's Which is another reason too. Like, he's
0: certainly not a perfect character. No, and he
2: wasn't he wasn't even necessarily a character that like I related with that much. It was more just by like expectation for like the good of man to prevail. Yeah.
0: And well, that's the thing, he's not really like a heroic character or anything. He's just a guy. Like he like you know, he does he does try to go out and save his sister at the end and in that sense like has a moment of heroism. But yeah, like he's just a dude.
2: Yeah. Which like, is he's I mean often like you're an, bad. In, that, in, the standoff,
0: like in, in the standoff like in the standoff like with Jesse in the road there like he he does just sort of like take off running because Jesse's got a well, gun so your best
2: i think uh, often like your best hero characters are average people with like something great yeah. Or in this case terrible thrust upon them, right? So like he's your average guy and that's why like he has to learn how to become a hero. That's very George Campbell. Like like you have to, you know, like he has to make a mistake and try and correct for it and the rest. But like no, I do like it and you you're absolutely right for bringing that up. Um uh at at the beginning of the movie, like that's a that's a a fucking shitty thing to do and that's putting it lightly and uh him getting the ultimate comeuppance for it is excellent
1: yeah what Um, i love about it though is it really makes you uncertain about his trajectory throughout the film mm -hmm. you don't know if he's gonna integrate with the vampires mm -hmm. or if he's gonna go in the path of being a heroic character. And the vampires and I think, don't either. I, yeah, well, the great turning point is after he saves all of them, yeah. you know, they hole up in a different motel and one of the vampires comes across his sister. Yep. And I think rediscovering his family kind of sets his path where, you know, otherwise he probably would have stayed with the vampire. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, like, that's the first moment of camaraderie that he has with all of them. Like, they've all been mistrustful and, like, downright violent towards him up till this point, except for May, you know, who's in love with him. But, like, he put his life at risk to save them in the shootout scene. And so you get, like, this... Just these few minutes of where, like, hey, you know what? Maybe you are one of us. You're all right, kid. You know, Bill Paxson gives him one of his spurs. Like, yeah, you know, you, you've you earned this. And it's like, it does feel like, at that moment, he is part of the family. He's part of the group. But, as you say, just by happenstance, they happen to be at the same motel where his his little sister and his dad are... Looking for him, and that's the jolt to hit the remainder of his humanity. And it's also because they try to kill his sister and and his dad too. It's,
2: well, see, it was perfect because for those who haven't seen the film one of the outlaw vampires is a child. Yeah. Um he's like eight. or is is in a
0: child's body.
2: Yeah, he's like 8 to 10 and it's implied
0: that he's probably the oldest, oldest out one. of all of them because mm-hmm. they all call him old man. Yeah,
2: which is great. Yeah. And uh which
0: has been done before but uh,
2: plenty of times. Still um, always a
0: fun trope.
2: Indeed. And uh let the right one in. You know. Yeah. Uh totally. a good mm-hmm. example. But uh he's the one. He's walking out and about. So he's the one yeah. who you know essentially looks like a child, or is a child, depending. Not a debate I really want to have. And uh, he's, he's walking about, and we see the the little sister, who's about the same age, mm-hmm. um, at the, the drink can, uh, or vending, vending machine. machine yeah. Drink can machine, whatever. <laughs> and she's at the vending machine. It's um, not wrong. It is a drink can machine. <laughs> I'm going to be real. I did not realize it was the sister. Because the the happenstance for me like mm-hmm. didn't click. Yeah. I was already mortified, because like, Oh my god, this character is like already made it clear that like he feels kind of isolated. Like the vampire like yeah. kid is like already made it fe- clear that he feels like isolated and lo- and lonely. Oh god, is he going to like kill this kid? It, like the, the tension was was very high for me already well, and like him bringing worse, her back.
0: It's worse it's worse than that And like he, being so predatory
2: about it was Well, yeah, that's a the nice, thing. He
0: wants he wants to turn her so yeah. he has a companion because he knows that the only in in his body, the only real companionship he can ever have is from another child. Because even though the other vampires call him old man, they still treat him like a child. Like just Jeanette Goldstein's character, like when he comes in and like sits down with her at the TV, she's like, you look at me when I'm talking to you, you know, like she talks to him like a kid. So it's like extra skeezy because he's not trying to kill caleb's sister he wants to turn her so he can like have another child vampire it's so fucked up and horrifying yeah the implications of that are are really nightmarish because like as he himself says like he has the mind of an adult in the body of a child so not great his his fixation on like this eight-year-old girl is is very unwholesome very and Yeah.
2: yeah mortifying and so when the brother comes in, and she hugs him. I was I was like met with like so much relief in, at that realization that oh my god you know like it's the sister okay right of course it is of course it's the sister to see uh, those events play out was like really cool after that and I like it in particular too because I I feel like even if it wasn't his sister like that scene would have worked very well. Because uh, the protagonist would have still been put, been put in a position where, like, they're going to, you know, kill a kid. Like, how is he going to respond? Yeah. It works beautifully. And then, yeah, like, for his dad to then also be brought into the room and for them to feel have like, this really great, like, kind of, you know, Mexican standoff.
0: Well, you know, yeah one of the one of my Westerns. favorite one of my favorite moments of the movie is when he shoots Lance Hendrickson in the chest, and Lance Hendrickson coughs up the bullet and puts it into the dad's breast right back pocket, into his pocket into his pocket. <laughs> yeah, that that scene that scene rolls. Then Caleb is basically forced to make a snap decision, like. His his birth family or his quote unquote new family, uh, and it seems like a pretty easy decision because at this point he hasn't been with them very long and they're just now starting to like him. So he's like, uh, no, I'm gonna go with my, you know, I'm gonna escape with, with my dad and my sister. I do want to talk about uh, what comes after this is when they cure Caleb uh, because it's what my probably one. Minor complaint with the film because I really like it. Otherwise, but I do think that the cure for vampirism in this movie is a little bit too easy. Let me tell you something. It's not as stupid as the cure for vampirism in Daybreakers, but <laughs> but it is frankly by miles. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean it's 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 much simpler than that. But like Caleb's dad is like a vet, I think. Yeah, he's uh, like a horse doctor. He's a, a horse mm-hmm. doctor. So Caleb basically just, like, asks him to to do a blood transfusion on him, like, transfuse him with human blood, and it works, and he's human again.
2: Which, you know what, though? I don't have any problems with it. I'll tell you why.
0: I just think it's Well, too first easy. off,
2: compared to Daybreakers, it is, um...
0: Well, yeah, it's much simpler, yeah. so it's much, it's much way, way less head-ass. But
2: also, like, okay, so in, in Daybreakers context, it's simpler... It, it's so weird like in in daybreakers it would almost make as much sense but in daybreakers it's like being set on fire qu- and then quickly dipped dunked in water yeah
0: right being I, very briefly exposed to sunlight god, a couple you, of times
2: you know we did a whole podcast episode on how stupid that is yeah man. and i i'm still i still <laughs> reel every time i have to like say those words yeah man like that that was the big twist of that movie oh my god uh
0: Listen to uh, our episode so, Daybreakers. If sorry if that. I
2: spoiled it for you, I, but Jesus Christ. Anyway. Daybreakers um, rules. Uh, so yeah, in this it's as simple as blood transfusions. But here's the thing, mm. right? If we're looking at realism vampires, you know, again, quotes on realism. But if we're looking at vampires like through a lens of as much realism as you can give them, it could make sense for something as simple as a blood transfusion to work because they're power isn't that crazy they do have like super strength i guess yeah but you know beyond that like it's it's immortality for the price of like blood and you know they they still catch fire in the daylight i like the idea of like if there's still a chance for them or whatever maybe they can still be turned back and i like that kind of being like a pretty key point of it also it's cool because it implies that these vampires have just perpetually chosen vampirism. Maybe they're not aware of it. It's the kind of thing that they might not have been aware of it. Why would yeah, they, they bother with a blood transfusion? never
0: tried. Yeah, never yeah. tried.
2: And possibly too— I mean, They
0: seem to enjoy being vampires.
2: Vampires. That's yeah. the other thing. Is like, like any outlaw, they've chosen the yeah. life of an outlaw. It's it's like their vampir- their vampirism being a choice. Uh, whether they're aware of that or not, I think, is irrelevant. It really, for them, doesn't service their characters either way. Because, yeah, right. if they were aware of that, they'd still be vampires. And if they weren't aware of that, cool, they weren't aware of it. Like, they'd still be
1: outlaws. Either yeah, there's way, a works. seductiveness to being an outlaw, just like there is in Westerns. Like, yeah. Yeah, outlaws can totally choose the straight life in somewhere where they're not known. That's but the whole point. yeah they're yeah They're not like, going to because the camaraderie is I so... Mean,
2: how many Alluring. times has that conversation been played out in westerns and western adjacent films you know I chose this you chose this life that line is a cliche for a reason and it, it's cool that it, they, they made it apply here as yeah. well like they chose that life of being a vampire I um, just
0: I, I, I just think that it's the first thing they try and it works like i i think maybe if they're and I, I mean the the movie the movie's you know a, a tight 95 so like it doesn't really have the room for the fat but like if they had tried some other things or there had been some degree of like i don't know research or something but it's just like literally in the same scene that they escape from the motel with uh, Caleb does with his dad and his sister like he sees his dad's like horse doctor equipment in the back he's like Have you ever done a transfusion on a person before? It's like it's the first thing they try. I I
1: think the thing for me is in a film where they set things up so well, it feels like that's kind of haphazardly set up to be paid off. If they had set that up earlier more substantially, I think that would have paid off more satisfyingly. I have two points on that.
0: Or if like Caleb had asked May, like, isn't there an alternative? Like, isn't there a cure or something? Oh, no, I think that would have been too heavy Yeah.
2: Like here's here's my piece on it. I don't think that they were seeking a cure. I wasn't under that impression, and maybe I got it wrong, but I was under the impression that he was asking for that because he was more he was wounded and he's sick and he needs blood. And so when he asked that of his dad, he's he's looking for an alternative to feed. He's not looking for an altern like he's not looking to try and be cured. I mean he mm. wants to be cured but he's just trying to survive. And I thought like during that whole scene of his dad sitting down and like giving him blood, it's him like giving, like trying to keep his son alive as a vampire. I didn't read it as him trying to cure his son. I read that as like his dad doing like a good act and the good act being paid off in, as a miracle, right? Like like I didn't I didn't perceive it as like them trying to find a cure and it being the first cure. I read it as happenstance.
0: I prefer that reading. I don't think... That's not how I think the film presents it. At least, that's not the way that I've ever read it. In the the several times I've seen this movie, I like that better. I think that if the film leaned into that a little bit more, made that a little mm. bit more explicit, like that is because like the way he's that's like, the goal. He's
2: like writhing around in the van, like uh, and and when his dad is like giving him the blood, and et cetera. Like it, it's the same as early on in the film when he's he's thirsting. And during all that sequence, I didn't. Th- his, his, I didn't think his dad was trying to trying to find a cure. They never use that word. They never say anything like that. And well, no, because it we cuts do-
0: from one scene to from right. them. They, we cut past the conversation that they for sure had. We just don't see that in the film because we don't necessarily need to. But maybe in this case, like that, might have been better because like the the disparity for me is that like if you're hungry you don't think about injecting something into your veins. If you're hungry, you're trying to consume it. So, like, that's why I don't read it as, like, an alternative to feeding. Like, he's asking for blood to be transfused, for his blood to be taken out, and new blood to be put in. Like, he's not...
2: Well, particularly the new blood put in. Like like here's like well he, he's not looking for alternative he's looking for an alternative for killing cuz that's what he's been doing this entire film. That's sure. that's why that reads to me, right? Like his 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 whole thing is like he won't kill. He's he's gone so far out of his
0: way, like But when um, he's but when he's fed before, like May just cut her wrist and held it to his mouth. So like why wouldn't he ask that of his dad instead of if that was the case, like if he's looking for to be to be fed so he can heal, like why doesn't he just ask like, hey, let me please I know it's it's weird let me but I need to drink some of your blood rather than transfuse my blood with your blood. Couple of reasons for that.
2: One, the
0: only time we've seen him
2: do that is with May, the girlfriend character and it's super sexual.
0: It is sexual.
2: Weird to have the character do that with his dad. Uh, the same the as May. Is also like, like the blood feels- transfusion thing makes it. And do they set up that his dad's
1: a horse doctor early on? Like, they also set up that you know him drinking blood is very alluring to him. You yes. know he mm. almost kills May early on drinking her blood, which is very traditional. And she van- warns van- him, it. you know, mm. you can't drink too much or you're going to kill me, and so. I, I think they do kind of set that up in that, yeah, like, I think so the allure of possibly drinking actual human blood might be too tempting.
0: Yeah, sure. So that I, puts
1: it out of the running.
0: I agree with you there, but again, it's like, with, with food and drink, with getting nourishment, you don't get that from injecting it into your veins. You have to consume it. Like, it has to go through your digestive system well, that's not I mean so that's not
2: entirely true I mean like I've, I you can you can be hydrated through IV drips like yeah, you, sure. can, you can gain like like some nutrition like through that like you can get enough true. to like get by and that's what he's doing he's ailing in his day, de- and you know he's trying to find a way to to get by so I think it works to the degree where like I again I, I was confused when the sun fell on him and he was fine and he was confused too which I liked and again it's not overbaked no I can see it not working no. like I, I can see it kind of like feeling not feeling earned.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I, I think that's that's yeah. fine.
2: Let's uh, touch on one other scene to do with his his like sort of long term redemption, and that's early on. Uh, the first time May tries to take him out to see if he's capable of of, of the kill, right? And that's where they they uh, hitchhike um, on a trucker's uh, rig, and our protagonist is is struggling to commit, and so he starts making conversation. Uh, you know, as May is sort of behind him, kind of egging him on, mostly with body language. Uh, and so the the trucker starts talking about how to drive stick on a truck and like how to accelerate specifically because um, he's showing off. It, it feels organic. I just certainly didn't think anything would come of it the way like he's changing gears and like joking about it. And he's he's fun. And it, it's great, too, because it it characterizes the truck driver, It, it which really helps like with our, our protagonist's sympathy for not wanting to commit. The way he looks so ill is wonderful. It's the same Sort of expression like that our protagonist in uh, in Raw has when she's like looking at the finger syrup episode on that for like that same sort of like breakdown where like it's it's almost sexual you know and like there's that degree of guilt in it that's it, that's really horrifying and and moving you know so he he gets sick and he has to he has to leave the car but it, you know his through his hesitation there like brings out the the scene where the truck driver talks about changing gears so to then have a scene later on where our protagonist like is once again in a truck through happenstance when Bill Paxton is like on the hood of the truck, like ripping bits out of the engine, like and our character yeah. has to accelerate. One of the things the truck driver said was like, uh if if you like you jackknife, you know, like the the front hits the back, you know, and no more truck driver. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> and so like he intentionally jackknifes the truck and leaps out. Yep. It's yep. so cool. So like his his hesitation bought him that. You know, like which which also was a heroic act. You know, it was a good thing that uh, to yeah. to do.
1: I really love the setup and payoff for that. They they do it really interestingly too, because they have sort of Chekhov's horse in that, like the horse is used to sense vampires, and then he goes right off of the horse into the big rig, which also gets paid off immediately, which is great. It's really well done. Mm -hmm. The scene where Bill Paxton is on the hood just ripping stuff out is so iconic.
0: Yeah. Well I mean he's been he's been hit by the truck at this point, so he's like missing half of his face. And he just too. keeps coming. Again, yeah. how terminatory, it's like right? Punching through the hood he of the truck, just ripping stopped. out. He can't be reasoned yeah. with like it's great. Yeah. And then after the the explosion we see his uh his spur hit the ground. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. awesome. Perfect um,
2: scene. I mean, honestly, you yeah. can't do better than that. Like, I love it, too, because, like, uh, when they're kind of standing off and uh, the truck comes up from the distance, like, I love it, too, because, like, our, our protagonist gets on the gets on the truck and uh, Bill Paxson shoots the truck driver through the head. He's like, ooh, got him in one, you know, or yeah. something like that. It's, like, it's so much fun. And, frankly, yeah, like, just iconically 80s with, like, it's just, it's all lit with, you know, blue, bright blue lights and smoke and the, the there's a there's a there's a green neon sign on one of the buildings and like it's just shimmering like on the uh wet asphalt like it looks so good it looks so fucking good and it's all practical lighting there's another great scene like that where uh may and the protagonist are uh sitting outside the hotel talking and there's like this wonderful like blue neon strip that that goes down the roof of the motel that they're at and it just cuts this like really nice angle through the back of the composition and lights them from behind and it's just it's such a pretty movie about liberal
1: that. use of smoke machines as well yeah
0: can't get too much of that you really can't um I love the uh, just to wrap up the the final standoff between Caleb and Jesse at the end uh, sort of mirroring their their aborted standoff previously but at this point the sun is is fully up uh they've blacked out the car windows as best they can but not very effectively and it's it's very much just like a game of chicken where like Jesse's gunning the car at Caleb and his sister in the middle of the road but the sun beats him and uh and they they catch fire and explode before the before the car hits uh, hits Jesse and, and his sister, or, the or film, hits Caleb and his sister.
2: Yeah, that, that sequence I think is really saved in the edit. They do a really good job of not really showing you how close they're getting, yeah. So they can focus on like those close-up shots of the characters to really ramp ratchet the tension up. Well, and I, it also, keeps, too, and like it
0: keeps cutting. It keeps cutting back to like Jesse's hands like gripping on the steering wheel, like as they're the as they're burning, and, and his, eyes like his eyes behind, like yeah, in the like, darkness. It looks so good. Yeah.
2: Of course the car that they're driving is like so quintessentially 80s it's a fucking station wagon
0: yeah it's, it's, like, yeah. Like, when it's like a wood brown wood panel station wagon. <laughs> like you, oh you, you can't do better than that and, like, then it, and then they blow that up too just like the the big rig yeah uh, it's awesome it, yeah. it's
2: fantastic uh there i did notice there's one shot where uh it's a it's when the 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 kid vampire when he um when he's he's on fire before he explodes that was like the one instance where i could tell that like the the flames the, the only instance where I could tell that the flames were superimposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But kind even, of composited
1: in. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but even
2: so they're they're really well done. Like uh well
1: I think what saves it too is again the incredible makeup work. Because you almost buy yeah. it even with the shortcomings of that, the just because the skin underneath looks so fucking
2: good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that. And and too, like the one thing that often like really draws the eye to composited flames is that they don't move in tandem with the figure very often like they're not going in the direction that the wind would be blowing or matching like the movements of the character like so well but here they do like i i'll give them that like the only way like i and i think honestly with those those shots they're pretty short too uh, they do. They do keep them trimmed. Um, I I wonder if like your average moviegoer would even notice because the reason I can tell is because it looks like they wouldn't have because it's, it's the '80s. But like it lo- it looks like like how you you'd use like a lightened layer in Photoshop to do it.
0: I think people would probably notice it now. Like it it looks just a little bit wrong. Yeah, but, but not. But but only a little bit. And again, like the makeup underneath saves it, and the fact that they keep those shots short enough that, like, they don't linger on it too heavily. And, like, too, it's, like, it's, it is a flaming... An, it's
2: an effect. <laughs> it is a flaming child, too. Yeah. So, like, I think at a certain point, you don't want to look perfect. But to me, it's in the same way as, like, the melting faces of the Nazis in, uh like, Indiana Jones, right? Like, when they look yeah. into the Ark of the Covenant. Like, you know that it's, like, plastic models being melted, but it looks so good. Um, And here, too, like, the, the flames, you can tell they're superimposed, but I still really liked them because, like, there's uh, it is a part where he he lifts his hand up in the foreground and like it combusts then and like it it tracks with his hand like and you can tell it's being tracked to his hand but like the way that the flames are moving and everything like i i think that they they got like a like an all black dummy on an all black background and like lit it the same way and like moved it or something so it would track like there was like definitely like some real work put into yeah. com- like compositing those flames composited or not so I, I do I do appreciate that. Like I, I do think that even still, like it is it is a well done like composite shot. Um, I like and then that. the rest, like Bill Paxton, when his hand is on fire, like that close up there, you can't tell.
0: Like, I like that. Uh, that when the kid vampire explodes, it leaves his shoes behind. It does. I saw that too. <laughs> but like, they, they
2: don't. They don't like get. Like, you don't get like get a close up shot of it, like or anything. Like, uh, there's no like shot of like the shoes sitting there, like with like the no, smoke just, coming out just, of the ankles. It's just like
0: a full body yeah. shot, and he blows up. And when the explosion clears, the shoes are still there. Yeah. Which, but uh, also like
2: the shot is like at a distance, and like yeah. it doesn't fully clear. It's perfect it's like like again like, like lesser movies or like something a little bit more cartoony. I wouldn't say lesser. But more cartoony. Yeah, films too, normal, where like they put normally, like smoke in the shoes. Normally you know? <laughs> that's
0: yeah. normally that's played for jokes.
2: Yeah, uh, and it, it almost is. Like, almost, it's
0: but great. It's, it's still, just right. It's still pretty macabre. Yeah, yeah. there's just yeah. a little spice on it. Like it's, it's still nice. Pretty macabre. Yeah. Um. Well, the the film ends with Caleb getting his happy ending because he knows that blood transfusion works. Uh, as a surefire cure to vampirism, so he cures May too. You know, I was a
2: little Sh- off about this because first off, it's a little bit too storybook, but also I was kind of hoping that the whole reason like it worked is because he he hadn't actually killed anyone. I was mm. sort of hoping that that, that was he the hadn't moment. that he
0: hadn't drank from a human yet, so that His prevented blood the, was the the still full, pure, yeah, train, whatever. So
2: yeah, if if I was yeah if I was the script writer. What I probably would have done. I'm not saying this is better. I, I'm not saying this is better. I'm just saying that this is what what I would do. That's an important distinction because I, I think this film is fantastic, um, and I'm well, not suggesting it should be changed. But how I how I would I think prefer to see it is that he tries it and it doesn't work on her, and the film is kind of bittersweet in that they have to part ways. You know, again, and that, you know, she goes off into the into the dark I or agree. whatever. I
0: think that also would have been better. See, yeah. I get to have a Cleveland moment now and make a reference to a show that only I like and uh, <laughs> say that in uh, Supernatural, <laughs> if, uh, if, if you get turned into a vampire, you can be cured <laughs> If you don't drink blood, once you once you drink a human's blood, then you're you're a vampire forever. Oh, they actually do that on Supernatural. Yeah.
2: Oh, huh. good because yeah. I like so. that. Like that's a that's a neat idea, um, and it works because uh, again, the whole idea about vampirism is like the the exchange of evil, right? You get to live forever, and like you get this kind of bougie life, but it's at the cost of like your your humanity. Like you have to kill your fellow man to to be a vampire, yeah, right, and. Yeah. Like you have to drink their blood. Uh, it's a fa- it's a it's a classic Faustian bargain. bargain. Exactly. You, sell, yeah. you and, sell
0: your soul for great power. And
2: so, like, if you're bitten by a vampire and like you find a cure for it without ever biting another person or like killing another person, you've earned it. It has been earned because you've gone through like the biggest trial. That is like Christ in the desert. It works really well. Uh, super cool. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I would have liked a little bit of a darker ending. If like, yeah, the only reason he was able to be cured was because he hadn't drank human blood mm-hmm. yet he'd only drank he'd only drunk from may who was a vampire and then you know they try the cure on her and it doesn't work and she dies or something like she she gets burned up and, and i sucked.
1: think a more tragic ending would have been nice but i will defend the ending they have a little bit Go for it. i think the final shot they have is really nice in that it's so nice they freeze frame yeah it's may. caleb and may embracing <laughs> but more importantly it's may putting her her mouth up to his neck mm, and it's true. recontextualizing that in before you know that's a more dangerous gesture and that's the gesture that turned him in the first place and to bring that up again in a different light yeah. is really striking and really brings everything full circle i feel oh, I
0: like that she's yeah. i like that she says too like right before the end like she says she says i'm afraid that is uh, a a nice little bit of like i don't i don't know if realism's the right word but it it keeps it from being too saccharine of an ending that being said it's still a little too storybook for my opinion but you
2: know here's the thing too considering like when this was made that is the kind of thing that i do wonder if like production you know, would have would have had a hand in as well. I'm not saying they Could did, be. but it's the kind of thing, like, there, there was an expectation for that kind of ending in the 80s, like, and up through the 90s. It's possible. Like, and even still, it's an expectation that it has to be kind of, like, fought for a little bit. And also, in Western tradition... Guy gets the girl. You know what I mean? Like there there is also this that is element, so this it does fit for that respect too. So true. yeah. I, I find it hard to fault, um, in any way, which is why like I, I did preface like six times by saying, like, it's not like I would probably want to end the movie,
1: but like I don't think it's 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 a poor way or it's wrong a, way it's to end the it. I think it bookends day. it
0: well. It's you not, know, it wraps right. it yeah,
1: it wraps it up well, mm-hmm. especially she turned him, he unturns her. You know, yeah. there's kind of a. It's not an A twenty four ending. It comes, it ending.
0: comes full circle. <laughs> um, all right, and that's well, okay. Let's uh, let's rate this thing. Yeah. Um, Cleveland, I already know what your rating is, but you can go first.
2: No, I'm gonna have to give it a five. I'm yeah, no surprise there. I'm uh, just once again, I'm over the moon and excited that. Uh, this movie exists and that I, I got to see it and share it with y'all for the first time. And thank you for picking it, Tease.
0: Oh, you're welcome.
2: Um yeah, see everything I knew, else I,
0: I knew you'd like it.
2: Oh yeah, see everything else I said on this episode for why.
0: <laughs> ben what about you? Uh
1: Yeehaw, this is an incredible movie. Um I really love this film quite a bit. There's a few very minor things, but for the most part this is an incredibly paced film incredibly acted really well put together this is a strong four and a half out of five though on a good day i could be persuaded to a five i'm gonna give it a four and a half though
0: Solid. i'm glad you did because i didn't want to be the one stinker on the episode um and, oh, and no. it's, it's barely it's barely even a stinker um i think this is an incredible film as well i think that it is um at least for the all the ones that I have seen hands down the best Western horror ever made. One of the the best vampire films ever made too. I think again, I have some problems with the convenience of the cure and sort of like the storybook ending, and that hurts it for me just ever so slightly. Um, enough to, I, I think uh, it does hurt it enough to keep it from a perfect score for me, but just barely. So it's going to be a strong four and a half out of five for me as well. I think that's um, really
2: solid, you know, like, and, and too, like, I, I wouldn't have felt bad if Ben had also given it a
0: five or whatever. Right. Like, like golden if ben, pods if ben had given it a five, I probably would have acquiesced. And nah, nah. well, <laughs> like, like, like the
2: thing, the thing about golden pods, right. is like, they're special because like all of us come together, you yeah, know? And, like, true. if we do it every fucking time, it's not it's not special. Yeah. And, like, we, we don't. I mean, like, God, when was our last golden pod? You know, it's been a
1: minute. It's been a minute. So, yeah. that's fair. Like, uh, that's totally fine and fair. Yeah, but, and uh, the thing is, like, this is a film that, on the right day, can hit me at a five. For, for sure, like, yeah, for sure, for sure. It is definitely up there. And I will even say, it's the best in the horror western genre, yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I'd certainly prefer it to um, Dust Till Dawn.
0: Oh, yeah, fine, which is Me a fine too. movie. I, I, have no, I have no
2: quarrel with D- Dust Till Dawn, but it, this is a better like horror v- horror western vampire film. Well, for see, that matter.
0: this this movie paved the way for things like From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, it's true. This and The Lost Boys did, I think, had had pretty huge influences on From Dust Till Dawn. Mm. Um, but I mean, also like robert rodriguez is a very different filmmaker from Catherine bigelow so <laughs> yeah uh, I'll it's say. in in uh it's hard to compare in that regard mm-hmm. anywho uh that gives near dark a very strong 4.7 out of 5 pods and uh definitely a resounding recommendation from all of us next week it is that time again where we come together to celebrate the passing of another year of this stupid podcast. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah! It is time for our podiversary once again, our four-year podiversary, and we'll be doing, uh, as usual, an original versus remake, but also as usual, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to wait and be surprised. But who, boy? I know I say this every year, but who boy, do we have a good one for you this year? Mm-hmm. I'm very, very excited uh, for, for the the next two episodes. Same. So stay tuned and come celebrate our anniversary, our four-year anniversary with us next week. Before we get into a sponsor, I had a question for you guys, kind
2: of akin to your question last week, Ben. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Hollywood executive, right? And you're directors. And I have just given you a decent budget to remake this movie. Oh. I know. I don't want Near to. Near dark. It just has to be that. How do you do it? How do you do it respectfully? Because that's the thing. Yeah, that's the, that's the question, right? How do you do it respectfully?
0: I mean, I think the most respectful answer is I give them back their money and say, no, thank you. <laughs> I think That's that's really the most respectful answer, because, like, my, my biggest problem with the film is is the is the storybook ending and the easy cure. So I guess my answer is I just I just do the same thing again. But give it a little bit bleaker of an ending like maybe the protagonist can't be. Oh, like Pet Cemetery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh uh, god. <laughs> that went well. <laughs> um, the the protagonist the protagonist can't be cured. He tries mm. but it doesn't work and he has he sacrifices himself to save his family to kill to kill the the outlaw family. Yeah, I ben, think you gotta...
1: if you had to remake this, if you had no choice but to remake this, I would say you take the horror film and recontextualize it where this film is more hollywood take it in a much more brutal nihilistic even darker direction interesting yeah i think uh that's honestly the only way to go with material like this because it's done so perfectly so if it ain't broke
0: you know I I would say I would say maybe to take it even a step farther is do it as a true classic western set it set it in like the 1850s or something like that and have it be the same kind of story unsuspecting young rancher kid meets like a mysterious young woman she bites him and turns him and her gang of outlaws like kidnaps him and then we get some some opportunities for like Fucking stagecoach robbery or a train robbery or something where they're not necessarily after the the valuables on the stagecoach, they're after the blood, you know, uh, something something like that. And you know what? I'll Same go. Kind of story, I'll go even further
1: setting. and say I'm taking off my filmmaker hat and putting on an executive producer hat. And if I were to get someone to direct this, I would, you know, get someone like Jeremy Salnier. To direct every make of near dark.
0: Ooh, yeah, that would be good. I think he would be a great, a great choice. Um, I think if you were gonna do a period piece, like if you were gonna do it period piece, like the way I described it, Jeremy Saulnier would be a good choice. But I think that right now the undisputed king of horror period pieces, my man Robert Eggers.
2: Oh, it's true. Yeah. See, that would be God. That'd be such a different movie. Um. Here's my thought. Right. I'm, I'm roughly on the same page as you guys. I say the one, the one key difference, though, is I would possibly not even make it Western. Set it in the 80s still in, in Texas, but have it just be somewhere else with different characters. There are vampire outlaws, but that's the through line. And you tell a different Western story because there's a lot of Western tropes that remain like yeah. off of that, um, including heists. I think that you could you could you could just tell
1: like I would a love to see a, vampire a, heist a blood movie. center heist. Yeah. Like, oh, see, man. that's what I'm saying. They rob a blood bank. bank. Right. Yeah. Oh, and guess awesome. what? They're held
2: up there till dawn. Like, there you go. So, like, um or till near dark or whatever the fuck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck <laughs> like, that one up. Like, I know, whatever, but uh, it's funny. Uh but that's what I would suggest. Right? Like if you're if you're gonna remake this film or like kind of re What's the term?
0: Reimagine.
2: Yeah, like re reimagine this film. Uh, a soft reboot. I would have it not have anything to do with this narrative. Like I would just have it be in this world. Just tell a very different story there. And and that way, like the the events of that story and those sequences, the bar scene, all of that cool stuff remains untouched and unfucked with, right? Because that's that's the sacred part, right? Like it's like why would you redo that perfect bar scene? You wouldn't. It it would be a fool's errand to capture For like sure. to mm-hmm. capture Bill Paxton and like the lighting like on like like that era of camera and like all the rest of it. It just it's it's stupid. Like it's well, a, see, it's a dumb see, idea. But like if you do a completely different kind of western style scene, it's safe and it's here's, okay.
0: Here's the thing though. You you brought this to us saying like if we were given money by a studio to explicitly remake Near Dark. I agree with you in principle to just do something totally different in the same vein. At that point, just call it something different, have it be its own original IP. Inspired, yeah, don't have it have that baggage by inspired by Near Dark.
2: Well, I think largely like I would, I would because it's more it would it's the kind of thing that's more likely to actually be greenlit because there's like a pre-established franchise.
0: Of course, I mean that. Well, yeah, there's a pre-established title. That being said, like if we're if we're remaking near dark, then I think it's important to, as disrespectful as it is to remake this movie, like, there has to be some through line there has to be some connective tissue other than just the title Mm -hmm. like at that point if you're not going to do that if you're going to do something different in the same vein then keeping the same title is just a cynical branding thing and i reject and i reject that to begin with As well,
2: i think that the 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 through line would be the world right would be like the lighting but the world the, but the
0: world is our world the world is 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 like the yeah real but there's a,
2: like the there the aesthetic is very pure and that's what i mean Is like See, i think if you captured that like you would you would still be like carrying through with the heart of this film
1: honestly i would be much more excited if they remade near dark as a video game
2: i think oh i play the
1: shit out of that yeah because if they're changing mediums then i'm less concerned about <laughs> yeah. them retreading Previous territory. Like a, shit out of a near dark movie, Van- like yeah, playing as like a
2: vampire, like outlaw, like yes, please, like, yeah, yeah, dude, like that sounds
1: super fun.
0: Anyway, let's do our sponsor. Yeah. and wrap this shit up. Enough of that. Point is, is don't remake near dark. This movie exists
1: unless you're making a video
2: game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, guess. I personally wouldn't mind spending more time in this world. So uh, I guess I could just watch the movie again. All right, this episode of Pod People is brought to you by an old friend of the show,
0: Pepperoni Pete. <laughs> Pepperoni Pete. He's got the meat. He's Pepperoni Pete. Were we talking about earlier pizza feats? Does Pepperoni Pete have the pizza feet? Uh, off the podcast,
2: yes, when we were, we were listening to a Fleet Foxes record, and, yeah. I, and I thought that he said... Uh, <laughs> um, Pizza feet? Yeah, I thought you said pizza feet uh, stuck in your teeth. In your teeth. I don't know what the actual line <laughs> lyric is. It's off their last album, but it's
0: a piece of wheat in your teeth.
2: God, that makes so much more sense than pizza feet in your teeth. <laughs> yes, but that's what I heard. I heard pizza feet in your teeth, uh, which is a terrible, terrible. But thing Pepperoni to think of. Pete
0: has those. He
2: he does, and it is a feat that he has the pepperonis.
0: It's oh. a feat of meat. Those meats in. Your Pete in your teeth. <laughs> Pepperoni Pete Thanks Pepperoni Pete
2: Just keep on being you
0: Alright that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode If you like the show The best way to support us Is to head over to Apple Podcasts And leave us a 5 star rating And a review and hey Next week it's our birthday Give us a birthday present Give us a 5 star rating
1: or an even better birthday present, go over to Patreon dot com. That's right.
0: <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash pod people pod.
1: And if you
2: don't, I'll cry.
0: And Cleveland will cry.
2: On on the podcast, publicly. Open weeping tears. That'll be the
0: whole episode.
2: And it'll be your
0: fault. That'll be the whole episode. It's just an hour. <laughs> it's just an hour of Cleveland crying because nobody loves us. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not true. Some people do love us, and we're going to give them a shout out right now. Our honorary pod boys, Sam Simon and Sarah Morris, we Thank know you. they love us, and we love you guys in we turn. Um, and you can join their ranks at patreon.com slash Uh You can also follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterboxed.com slash, you guessed it, podpeoplepod. That's where, that's where everything is. Wow. Um, Such good SEO. Look yeah, at that. Exactly, Look at us <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and on Litterbox, you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. So check that out. Uh, follow me on Twitter at SomeSpookySnake.
1: I'm
2: on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for LightArk Studios. We further putting out progress on It stairs back
0: as we further putting it out Here we, we're putting further
2: puttins uh with, with the putting uh and it's coming out uh <laughs> um uh you can you can check us out on our uh, website lightarkstudio.com and uh if if you would like you can join our discord uh and, uh, check out what's, uh, all the, the latest things we're putting out for It Stares Back, uh, latest chapter being The Drowned Queen. Um, uh, you can find It Stares Back on Steam, and, uh, you should. It's, it's a super fun game. Uh, and, uh, you can also find my work, uh, via DreadXP. Uh, I'm, uh, right now doing some, uh, fun work, uh, helping, uh, with, with the puppets on, uh. Uh, my friendly neighborhood uh go go and wish list it it uh, is uh if you if you like sesame uh street-esque things um uh uh meeting horror i i i a lawsuit Uh, (laughs) um uh (laughs) uh, meeting uh resident evil uh it's it's a really fun combination um Go check it out. It's it's a particularly cool game. I'm 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 just over the moon to be helping out on it uh, where I can. And of course, you can also check out Spookware as well, which is fun short micro games with some cute skelly boys uh, as they travel across the 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 land of uh, it's like postmortia or something funny. Um, <laughs> playing mini games. Uh, yeah, just check out Dread XP. They've got some really rad stuff going on right now. That's it from me.
0: All right, y'all. Thank you for listening, partners. We appreciate you, and until next time, buckle up your your chaps and saddle up your boots and horses. Horsey.